Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Cullen Tate with us today, and we're going to cover everything and anything to do with short-term rentals. So this is your episode if this is something you're interested in. So uh, Cullen, I really appreciate your time, and you can find all of Cullen's information, including his coaching at HostCoach. Make sure you use that CO now, HostCoach.co. So thanks for joining me here today, Cullen. Yeah, Jack. Jack, thank you for having me. So you know, I, I have to. I have to obviously start with how did you possibly get into the niche of of this? Because frankly, every time I run into or try to do this myself, I have I haven't had a ton of success. To be frank, uh, so you must either really enjoy doing this, or you've found the winning formula. It's a passion, Jack. Um, I did, as a lot of real estate investors, found my way into it by happenstance. I have always been a serial tech entrepreneur. And in 2018, I sold a company and started scratching my head. What am I going to do next? How am I going to cope with the next great uh, opportunity? I had an Airbnb cabin at the time, and it was doing what I would say fairly very well and decided, well, maybe I'll lean into that and make an investment in two or three other Airbnb properties. So, you know, one of the things that I've I have a hard time finding is, is like, well, let's start where, where do you determine or how do you determine the best place for an Airbnb? Question. A lot of people try to solve that from a really analytical perspective, meaning let's go find a list of where the best Airbnb investment towns and cities are. I look at it from a different way. I look at it from finding what I call finding your where, meaning where do you like to go? Where do you? Where would you like to go away with your spouse or your girlfriend or your family? Where would you like to go within two, three hours driving distance from every major metropolitan area? There are these getaway locations. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. It, it, is that partly because then it, it it motivates you to go check on it and maybe actually stay there yourself? Or I, I think that an Airbnb um, investments should be pleasurable. It should be something that you're passionate about, and that passion will come through in the product that you're delivering and the experience that you're delivering for your guests. Sure. So, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, like in my area, you know, going three hours away, I guess that would probably work. Where it doesn't seem to work for me anyway is that I tried to, we tried to run these numbers in. I'm near Fargo, North Dakota, and that's not exactly a destination for uh, any kind of re- retreat. I would imagine Fargo is a pretty good sized city. So you don't necessarily need someone to fly from you know New York City to Fargo to be have a good, profitable Airbnb. So I don't know the exact population of Fargo, but it's a city I've heard of. So I imagine there's a million people or, or more. And that's really all you need is those people wanting to get away for the weekend, be it a birthday or anniversary, or post-COVID, we're seeing a lot of what we call leisure activity, the blending of business and leisure, where people are wanting to get out of their apartment, wanting to get out of their condo, wanting to get out of their house, and go work somewhere else where they can be in nature and take a hike and enjoy the scenery. 
Sure. So in you, in your, you have a book and I'm going to put a link to the, your book as well in the show notes, but you mentioned the four pillars of short-term rental success. Could we cover some of those? Let's do that first, which is finding your where. So find a place that is close enough that you can get to, particularly for your first. This can be done remotely. I've done it remotely. But finding a place that you're passionate about, a few hours driving distance from your, your home primary residence, primary location. And, and that really is the, the first part. Find that where. And then once you have that in mind, then there's some analytical tools that we can use to dive in to gauge that market, to really uncover what the average daily rates and occupancies and how effective that market's going to be as an Airbnb market for you as a host. Sure. So, um, you know, some of the things too, is they, what, what usually makes my numbers fall apart is the turnover. How have you found ways in which to turn these units and manage that process? You mean the physical cleaning and, and maintenance? Right. Of the that is a key business relationship in short-term rentals is how do you find a trusted housekeeper who is really your partner in the business. I have found just using the old bandit yard signs, particularly if you're in a location that has other Airbnbs or other short-term rentals, put up these really nice signs and I put them in the entrance to the neighborhoods. Um, Housekeeper wanted. And you can interview a few and find the person that fits with you and then really treat that person extremely well. They're really your valued business partner, not just somebody to run a vacuum cleaner, but someone who's looking out for your property and cares about it as much as you do. Sure. Are there any amenities that you you offer that make you stand out? That is really part of the finding your work, sort of what we would call macro amenities. So I am primarily invested myself in cabins. So we're always looking for a view or a nice deck or a hot tub, things like that. You can't build a view, but you can add a hot tub. You can make them pet friendly. You can install proper flooring so that people can bring, you know, their furry friends along for the weekend. No, that, that makes, a, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, uh, one of the things that I think people struggle with is, you know, if they're especially new to short-term rent rentals, how to stand out from that crowd. You know, it, it seems like it's gotten a little overwhelmed with a lot of expertise, if you will, or people that have been doing it for a long time. And it's, it's hard to get started. Uh, is, are there any low-hanging fruit uh, tactics that people can use? Absolutely. That's really kind of a segue to the second pillar that you mentioned, which is we, we call make it pop. So first, pick a good property. Pick a good house that's got some curb appeal. If it needs a coat of paint outside, give it the coat of paint outside. In the cabin market, we're really looking for something cabin on the outside and crate and barrel on the inside. You'd be surprised if you look through Airbnb listings, how dark and dismal we call it dead animals and doilies, grandma's, uh, you know, uh, quilts on the backs of chairs. So you really want a crisp, clean interior. We find about 80% of people who initiate bookings with us are female. So, you know, maybe they go to a spouse or, or other partner um, when they make the booking, but initiating the booking. So we really want a crisp, clean interior. And then we absolutely positively want professional HDR photography. And you'd be, again, so surprised how many hosts don't make that step. And it is critical to standing out, as you said, on Airbnb or any of the other OTAs. Yeah, especially when you know that it's, it's you know, especially when it, it takes such, these small strategies are what can 
can uh, really make you stand out. And, and a lot of people, you know, I even see it for rental properties, just standard rental properties. How many people just take photos with their phone and call I it I see good? it with, you know, $300,000 new home listings where the, uh, you know, the, it's, the photos have been taken and they're really dark and boring, right? So we can do some things on the interior. You're talking about little touches, little splashes of color, I like to do accent walls, provide nice coffee stations. There's really a lot of things. One of the things about short-term rentals that I find very entrepreneurial is that you have a lot of control over the product. And even if you start day one, you can listen to your guests and you can iterate. You can make really impactful changes by making small changes in your decor, in your amenities. We mentioned hot tubs and pet friendly. You may start without a hot tub and add a hot tub later or add uh, you know, a pet friendly amenity to, to the listing. So you have a lot of control over that product as well as the pricing. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you're really keeping your guests in mind. What kind of feedback loop do you get from them in order to make these type of improvements? Is it just through the Airbnb app? Primarily through the platform. We have an automated message that goes out to our guests uh, about 12 hours after check-in, which is usually around 11 o'clock the next morning. And we would just ask them how it's going. Uh, how are you doing? Is there anything we can be doing better for you? And sometimes they'll say, you know, uh, I've got a question about the TV or often they'll ask for a recommendation. Where should I take a hike? It's a beautiful day. Well, where do I find this in the house? So that gives us an opportunity to interface with the guest and head off any potential concerns that they might have. And then once they do check out and write a review, we spend time reviewing those reviews to find that's really a lot of how we drive our maintenance and improvement. You know, um, the bed was squeaky or the door didn't, you know, the door stuck. You get a lot of feedback. We turn over about 12 times a month in each property. So that's a lot of points mm -hmm. to receive from guests for areas to improve. Yeah. And, and uh, I can imagine that takes a lot of management to make sure that you're getting things done. Like Airbnbs, do you manage right now? I own and operate outright eight units. Eight, cabin. two bedrooms, three bedrooms, and four bedroom cabins. Are they all centralized, or in they in essentially the same place, or do you do you have to? Are they managed? They are essentially there? in the same county. One's a little bit on the outskirts of of um, the county, but I coach you know I'm coaching clients all over the country that are in all sorts of different types of properties, be it you know oceanfront, beachside, you know cabins, lake houses, winery areas, things like that. So, do you your support staff are they? more central like are you your cleaning individuals are they able to handle most of these for you across your your footprint or do you have different people at each property i have three primary housekeepers so you know i find it a little difficult you know you can only one housekeeper can only turn over so many houses mm -hmm. right so i have multiple housekeepers that have their own properties and they uh, become associated with that property i don't rotate between them um, some people talk about trying to rotate their their cleaners um, or use other services that rotate cleaners. I really believe in creating a relationship with that housekeeper, and that housekeeper has a relationship and a pride in the property. In addition to housekeepers, you know, you always need a good handyman to fix a leaky faucet. You know, someone that you can call to go out and do something that may be above what the housekeeper uh, can handle. Do you enable the housekeeper to make those calls for the plumber, or do you handle all that? You know, that's a great question. Um, I do have one housekeeper who has some in-house handy services. Uh, some of her, her employees um, can do things like replace 
a, a water faucet or, or something. She did some ceiling fans for me recently. So that is, that's actually a plus. If you can't find a housekeeper that does have some relationships like that, she always runs it past me first, but it's great to have her handle the management of something, a repair like that. Sure. Okay. So just to remind everybody, head over to uh, hostcoach.co for a lot more information, including links to the podcast that Cullen uh, hosts. So with all of this now, you've acquired eight properties. How have you been finding regarding funding these properties and the acquisition aspect? I'm lucky enough to have been doing it long enough where I'm basically burring the properties, you know, buying them, getting them fixed up, getting them renovated, getting them on the market and generating uh, cash flow. I generally will go in and buy in cash and then refinance out that cash after six months. You know, there's a lot taking place in the lending space around short-term rentals where we're getting lenders that are treating short-term rentals a little bit more like multifamilies where we're getting some asset lending, you know, so it's not just all credit score dependent. We're finding lenders that are uh, able to lend based on cash flows. Sure. And then, you know, going back to the management of this and you having this software background, what kind of systems and tools are you using with your your boots on the ground to to keep this all managed and under control? Really, once you're up and running in terms of operational, the, the biggest tools that any host should have would be one, a dynamic pricing software, something like Price Labs or Wheelhouse that is continually taking data from your OTA, your Airbnb or VRBO and analyzing the exact supply and demand for every upcoming day and adjusting your prices for you. One mistake that a lot of hosts I see make is that they overprice their weekdays and underprice their weekends. You know, if you just have a flat $200 a night, $250 a night, they'll end up with a lot of vacancy during the week because next Tuesday, somebody may not want to spend $250 a night. But next month, when it's your anniversary or your wife's birthday or something special, graduation, that same property could be $500 a night. So first and foremost, a dynamic pricing tool And probably about 90% of hosts are not using one of those tools. And they're very affordable, very powerful. And then the other tool in terms of operations would be an automated messaging tool. There's lots of these, Hospitable, and a lot of the the channel managers will automate your booking, Mm -hmm. reservation messages, your follow-up messages that really bring down the workload for the host. Sure. Okay. Well, you know, a couple other questions that come to mind then is that you talk about the the burr aspect of this. What type of, you know, in your acquiring cabins, what are some of the things that you found that you have to, what are the improvements that are you, you're making to these, to these homes? You know, it varies widely. I've uh, had a few properties that were, you know, mostly turnkey, just coming with some, uh, some newer furniture um, all the way down to, I've <laughs> dug a 700 foot well and, and paved a 700 foot road at a cabin. So that I think that's something really to take into consideration as an investor when you're looking at a property. You know, what is your tolerance for time, money, headache? For the first time investor, you may not want to take on a property that's going to need $50,000 worth of rehab. There are a lot of properties out there that have been used as uh, family vacation rentals that are that are, I'm sorry, family getaway type residences that are in really good shape. But things like just paint, carpet, flooring, 
you know, sometimes compliance updates uh, are the big ones. And then you were talking about the the rates, like during the week and the weekends. I have heard of people using the strategy of of uh, kind of being aggressive with their with their price, especially right off the bat, in order to draw those initial visitors and initial reviews. Is that a strategy you would suggest? Absolutely. You know, Airbnb and the other OTAs, online travel agent platforms, are at their heart a search engine, much like Google. And so when you understand what that search algorithm is looking for, you can, you know, act accordingly. So what are they looking for? They're looking for a click-through rate, right? So if you've got those beautiful pictures and beautiful amenities, your listing is going to get clicked on. It's looking for the user to stay engaged on that listing and stay there. So reading beautiful descriptions and reading uh, picture captions. And then closing the sale, booking that, that, that opportunity. So it's definitely a good idea, particularly early on, to make sure that you're staying you know, that you're closing those those leads that uh, the platform is giving you and that you're staying fully occupied. And so if you need to do that through some price reduction in the early days, then then that's definitely advisable. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that you can we can uh, now change course just a little bit. And uh, let's let's say somebody has found that property that that they can uh they, they believe would be a good Airbnb and they do the acquisition. What, what would they, could they expect for that during that first 30 days or so? What are, what are they going to experience? You know, there is a, a learning curve to the craft. A lot of first time hosts, probably the biggest advice that I, I can give first time hosts, particularly during that 30 day period is to make sure that you're really looking at this like a business, not to take it too emotionally. I've definitely had mentees and some family members they get a little upset, you know, if, if you put all this time and energy into a property and someone has a complaint, um, it's very easy to react to that emotionally. You know, hopefully you're not reacting to the guest directly, but just to put on a little bit of a thick skin, to put on your business hat and know that you're providing a service and that you, you're going to do your best and you're going to learn from feedback from your guests. So take the feedback that you're getting from your guests and absorb it as something to learn as opposed to something to respond to. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think we kind of blipped out here for just a second. Cullen froze. I'm here. Oh, there you are. You're back. So no, that, that makes a lot of sense, especially taking the, on that feedback that you're getting from the, from your customers. And especially if there's anything actionable, I can imagine if you're acquiring properties that you might be in your family or spending some time in, it does get a little emotional because that that's kind of a, maybe a favorite place of yours and your families. That's another thing to do as a host is to spend time maybe before that first 30 days before going live. I always recommend spend a week, spend a weekend, spend three or four days in your property. And you're going to hear that, you know, that creaky, you know, that creaky roof or that dripping faucet or, you know, spend some time and live there yourself, make use of your own amenities, make use of your own, you know, coffee makers and appliances and spend a little time there, enjoy it. And also learn from, you know, what, what things actually living here, somebody spending three or four nights you know, in, in the property is going to experience and try to head off those, uh, those objections. So, you know, it's, it's no secret, you know, it's in, especially in your domain name. I mean, your host coach, if somebody is looking to get into this, talk a little bit about the importance of finding some mentorship 
and what type of questions they should ask the mentor to make sure it's a right fit? I think I would want to make sure that the mentor is actually an investor and owner themselves. You know, I definitely have come across some some gurus or experts that you know don't necessarily own or operate a lot of their own property. So I really want to make sure if I was looking for a mentor that this person has you know multiple properties that they own and operate. Maybe go and look at their reviews as a host. You know, ask them about their pricing strategies. I think there's probably a good place to start. Yeah, no, that's that's some great tips. You know, this has been a great conversation, and I'm sure we could unpack quite a bit more associated with this. And and I know I, I wanted to uh, point out again, you you do have a book. I think it's available. Is it on, available on Amazon? I'm pretty sure it yeah. is. Came out about two weeks ago on Amazon. We're getting great reviews. We're, we're excited about it. It's always a, a proposition, a scary proposition when you first publish something. But uh, there's a lot of experience in there and not just my own. The neat thing about being a coach is that I get to talk to and gain experience in situations from hundreds of other hosts. And then sort of like the butterfly pollinator effect, I can share that those experiences with new hosts to help them really accelerate the learning. You know, Airbnb and the short-term rental, there's nothing particularly, there's not one piece of it that's really hard, but it's kind of a windy road that uh, can seem daunting. And it's nice to have someone, you know, shine that flashlight and show them, show them a path, the clear path to success. Well, can you maybe share one of the stories associated with one of your students, like turning something around or I'll, I'll see if I paraphrase this story. And this is about a listing that was around for a while and performed very well and then started not to perform. And it was for, for reasons of, around the management of the property, price was not, we weren't able to adjust price to make a change. So the listing wasn't getting bookings and the listing it was found was showing very low in search results. And then that was further constrained by not being able to adjust pricing. And so we were able to go in and just basically re-optimize and touch, retouch every piece of the listings, policies, descriptions, photos, and basically give it a refresh without changing prices and drove it back to the top of search results and back to profitability again. Wow, that that's really something telling. Like what you just told about earlier in the in this episode, you were mentioning that make sure you have some good photos and everything to to help make it pop. It can really drive those results. You you really didn't change much to to the actual rental property itself, but change refresh the listing, if you will. Exactly. So refreshing, you know, just go back in. You know, if you have so that's a piece of advice for people who are listening. Maybe you've got an Airbnb listing and you're, and you're thinking it used to do well and, and it, it's sort of not making as much money as it once did. The first thing to do is check where is it falling in the search results. You know, I talked about Google. I believe that if you're not on the first page, it's going to be hard to win, right? How, may, how often do you go past page two, you know, when you're looking for something, you know, on a web search? And it's very similar. I think Airbnb statistic is something like the average user clicks 16 to 18 pages. And that really translates down to maybe really only looking at three or four listings. So if you're not able to drive your listing to that sort of first page, you should really be looking at what's underlying that. And so going back into your listing and just maybe you need to relax some policies, maybe your cancellation policy is a little too strict, or maybe you don't have 
instant booking enabled or it's enabled in too strict of a fashion. So it's not always about price. It's often not about price to, to win, to get your listing to the top. It's often about just re-looking at those settings, maybe re-experiment with those photos, reorder those photos, rewrite that description. As I said, this is one of the most rewarding parts of the short-term rental is that how much control we have over the product. That we can go in and we can change things, not just from a pricing perspective or long-term marketing perspective. We can make changes in the listing and see immediate results. Sure. No, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time, Cullen. Uh, I warned you it was coming. Is there any other topic or question you wish I would have asked you here today? Well, the one I was thinking about was maybe I'll just sort of summarize, which is, you know, I talked about the four pillars of success being find your where that matters to you, make it pop, make the decor and the photos stand out, optimize, you know, for price, price for occupancy, make sure that you're not under you know pricing your weekends make sure that you're filling up your weekdays it's definitely possible to stay you know 90% occupied and then make sure that your your listing is ranking well within your your platform and if it's not take some steps to reoptimize it sure again it is hostcoach.co i really appreciate your time here today Cullen i i hope you'll consider coming back again sometime absolutely jack i'd love to Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.